Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. If you have your version of scripture and you'd like to open it with me to the book of Esther, Today we're going to go to chapter 9 because we're going to look toward the end. We've looked at all the things that God did early on in the story. We watched him raise up a teenage girl. We watched him put her in a palace. We watched him raise her to the place of royalty as the queen. We watched her take a risk, put her life on the line to save her people. We watched her cousin Mordecai become her adopted father and her adopted father who encouraged her and spoke into her life all along the way as she took every step that needed to be taken. We watched her risk her life and now we're watching the results of her, of she and Mordecai risking everything to save the people. Look at verse 20, chapter 9, verse 20. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies. And as he wrote them to observe, or as as the month, okay, wait a minute, I lost my place here. As the time when the Jews uh, got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow, listen to this, when their sorrow was turned to what? When their sorrow was turned to what? And when their mourning was turned into a day of what? Celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. This celebration is still celebrated by the Jews to this day, and it's called Purim or Purim. It's a celebration where they remember that there was an enemy that was out to annihilate them and to destroy them, and God raised up people to stop the enemy and to save their life. And they celebrate that to this day, They celebrate that every single year. This story is a beautiful story. We get to see the end of this story. But in reality, we also know that the the plight of Israel, the blessings and the battles, we still read about. So it's still going on, right? It hasn't ended. But that story, the story of that house in that moment with, with Esther and Mordecai and King Xerxes, we get to see how that story ended. We get to see the fact that there was a moment in time when God raised up two people and he put his hands in their life and he said, I've got a bigger plan for you. I've got a plan that you can't see yet. I've got a plan that is so far bigger than you know that if I told you in the beginning, you wouldn't do it. Can you imagine if the Spirit of God had sat down with 
with Esther when she was a teenager and said, Esther, here's what I want you to know. I want you to become queen because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to risk your life uh, when you become queen. You could die. You may live, but I'm going to ask you to risk your life. She could have said, I'm not sure I want this job, right? Not sure I want it. See, the beautiful thing is, is when you, when you get to look at the end of a legacy, you get to see the glamour. When you look at the end of a legacy, it looks a little more romantic. We all love the end of a love story, but nobody loves the middle of a love story. Nobody loves that moment in time when, when you don't know, are they, going to, are they going to get married or are they not? Is he going to leave or is he not? Is she leaving or is she not? What's going to happen? But we love the end of the love story when the happily ever after comes, right? But the story, the good, bad, the ugly, the tragedies and the triumphs, the battles and the blessings, it's still all a part of the story. And if you take that part of the story out, you don't get a story. So for Harvest or this house to have a legacy, a legacy down the road, a legacy that, that our kids will be able to look back and celebrate our kids will look back and celebrate what has been accomplished and done in this house over many, many years. For our kids to be able to do that, we've got to understand that the story is still being written. Our past is already written. The future is to come. So we're living now. And when Mordecai looked at Esther or, or sent her a text message and said to Esther, Esther, could it be that you have been raised to a place of royalty for such a time as this? See, I, I know that I was raised for such a time as this, and some of you know that, but some others of you have to ask God, am I here in this house for such a time as this? Why am I here? What is my purpose here? What is my mission? Why am I in this place for such a time as this? Does that make sense? But here's what I want you to know. Did you notice he said for such a time as this, not that? It's always this. See, we could live in such a time as that. We could look back on the days of, of past and in the days of the beginning and say God raised us up for such a time as that back there when we started. But there's never a time that we can discard. We always have to be in the this, in the now. Harvest has to be in the now. We have to reach people now. It's not enough that, that people have been reached in the past. We have to reach people now. It's always for such a time as this. Yes, harvest started 16 or 17 years ago, but we're here for such a time as this. This. And you have to decide if you're a part of such a time as this. Every story, every story, every good story has Villains and heroes. How many of you love uh, the superhero Marvel, DC, you know, but you love the superhero movies? I, I love them. I love them. And we all watch these superhero movies realizing that, that they're there for a reason. They're, there's a battle going on. There is a villain who has a plan to destroy the city, to take the city. And there's a superhero that has to save the city. 
There's a villain that says, I will destroy. I will hold them captive. They will become my slave. I'm going to come in, take over. It doesn't matter who the villain is. It's always the desire to take over and control. And we have an enemy that desires to take over and control. There's a plan. God has a plan. And the enemy has a plan. What's going to be our plan? What's going to be the plan of this house? The plan of this house is that we follow God and we crush the head of the enemy in Jesus' name and with his power. The enemy that's attempting to take the city, we have to stand and say, that ain't going to happen. That is, not, that is what Esther did. She had to risk it all. She had to come to a point, but, but she came to this place that she said, if I die, if I live, it doesn't matter. I'm here for the purpose of God. Therefore, I'm going to step wholeheartedly into the purpose of God and let him do what he wants to do. Every story, every story has moments of tears. Our story is, being, is still being written. Are y'all with me? Our story is still being written. What's it going to look like 20 years down the road? What's it going to look like 50 years down the road? And is it guaranteed that it will be what it is right now? Or does that guarantee only come if we continue to follow the Lord the way he's called us to follow him with the mission he's called us to follow it in? I got a glimpse into that some years ago as I pastored a church. I pastored several churches over the years. But as I pastored a church and I was one of many, I was down the line, many pastors down the line that had been there, but I had the privilege of knowing the very first pastor that church ever had. And he embraced my family and loved my family. Um, he saw me as a kid who wanted to see God do something. And he became such a precious, precious friend. We would get in the car and he'd tell me to come over and we'd get in the car and I didn't know where we were going. We ended up in Chucky with leaving with uh, a trunk and a back seat full of watermelons. And he'd just take them and give them away. He'd just go buy watermelons and give them away. I got to do that. On those little rides, we had lots of conversations. And I heard his heart. And I realized he was, he was really leaning, he was looking to me to see that church become what he had wanted it to be long ago. Because in his mind, it had it had strayed in ways from, from that, from his heart. Are, are you with me? It had strayed away from, from, from his heart in the beginning. And when I look at that, I think about it, there is no guarantee that 50 years or 100 years down the road, this place, this house, there's no guarantee that, that this house doesn't stray and, and become become religious and stale and empty and dead and there's no guarantee of that unless every single generation from now on unless you pass on and I pass on to every other generation what's important to this house 
And we make that what's important to this house, help them understand why it's important and let them carry it on from generation to generation to generation. And if that happens a hundred years from now, this place should be, it should be in, on fire in a greater way than it is right now. But we got to pass that on. Because you got to pass the legacy. You can't just run your race. You can't just run yours and stop. It's, it's that, that we're running hours, and we're running hours with in mind that there's some people watching us run hours. And they're learning how to run. And they're learning as they go along, what does it mean to believe? And what does it mean to pray? And what does it mean to, to trust Jesus? And what does grace mean? And what does love mean? What does it mean to love? Is it a sign on the outside? Is it something that every church talks about? Yes, but is it really there? And what we want to show them is how love acts, what it looks like. On this journey, so that when we pass the torch or we pass the baton that it's a clean pass and we know that that the very heart of Jesus will go on from generation to generation to generation there is in every story there's scars in every story your story personally so not only am I talking about this house, what we experience as a church in this house, but every, every one of you who are part of this house, your story becomes a part of this story. And in every story, there are scars. Every story. Will you let the scars keep their pain? Or will you look at those scars as something that God will use to take you to another place in Him? If you could see my scars, you would see one marred individual. If you could... But they're not physical. Well, some of them. I've got a couple. But they're not physical scars. These scars would be internal scars. These would be scars in my soul-ish rim. If you could see me in that part of me, that invisible part like that, you would see a person loaded with scars. But the beautiful thing about it is that God used those scars to prepare me for such a day as this. He used those scars to prepare me to pastor this church. He used my tears to take me to a deeper level to be able to pastor, to lead, and to love to a place that I don't think I would have ever been without the tears, to a place I don't think I would have ever been without the scars. Without the scars that I have, I don't think I can lead where God wants us to go. But I think this is a new day. I think God is doing something so fresh and so new in Harvest Community Church. You say, but bud, you, the music is still very... No, 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 I'm talking about something inside. I'm talking about there's something the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us that is, is, is it's, it's ready to explode. 
those scars that I told you about, there's no pain involved in them now. Because the Lord has healed them. But then in every church, not only do you have the scars that have been healed, but you have the scars that are being created right now. In every house, the scars are being created right now, and those are the ones that you feel pain in. But how do you get through those moments? All I have to do to get through this moment is to look at this scar. I can look at all the scars that I have been healed from to know that God is faithful. He is true. He will never let me down. He will never forsake me. He will always provide for me. His healing is always there. When I look at the scars, I don't see pain. I see provision. I don't see pain. I see the purpose of God. I don't see pain anymore. I see the power of God to deliver in his faithfulness. It's okay. It's okay to have scars. It's okay to have tears. But your scars and your tears in your life, God brought you here. He knows them. He's seen them. And he brought you here to heal you. And now, once he's done that, he wants you to help heal somebody who has similar scars. We have a legacy. A legacy can't be built with good intentions. It means we've got to step out. We've got to do. So if, if the story has been written, and we know that there are times of triumph, tragedy, there are times of blessing and battle, all these times are a part of every story, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't feel glamorous, sometimes it doesn't feel romantic, but here's the true story. A legacy has to have all of this involved for us to be able to read a story such as what we read there, that God, what, what did He say? He turned their sorrow into joy. He turned their mourning into celebration. May Harvest Community Church, may this house be a place where God can turn your mourning into a celebration, where He can turn your sorrow into joy. What if we could look down the road a hundred years and we could see the story of harvest? What if we looked, let's say we, we, we go right up before the Lord comes, you know, because harvest is going to go strong until Jesus comes. And if it's 200 years, harvest is going to go strong because we're going to keep preparing and passing the torch or passing the baton. But what if we could read the story? And, and what if we looked at the chapters, and I, and I sat thinking about what would the chapters be? What would I want my, my... What do I want my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren to read? Nobody wants to read chapter 11 and see at chapter 11, the villain has, has come, on to, come into the city and is ready to take over. 
And we're anticipating that at the opening of chapter 12, what we're going to find out is that the superheroes are going to rise to the occasion and they're going to say, you're not taking our city. You're not going to destroy our people. You're not going to hurt. You're, you're not going to do it. You're not going to bind them. You're not taking control. That the heroes will rise. We're anticipating chapter 12, the heroes will rise. What if we open the story in chapter 12 after seeing the villains come on the scene with a plan to take over the city and we open chapter 12 with the heroes did nothing. Period. The end. Would that be a horrible story? Are, are y'all with me? Who would want to read that story? We all want to open chapter 12 with the hero stepped up and they went into battle with their superpowers and they defeated the villain and the villain did not take the city and the people were saved. God raised up Esther and Mordecai to be the heroes in this situation. And at the end of the story, they arose to the occasion and the story comes out and everybody was saved. God's calling for heroes, not for has-beens. We're not looking for has-beens and what we have done and what happened in the past and what used to happen. We're looking for heroes that will rise to the occasion right now and say there's a city that the enemy is trying to take over and we refuse to let it happen. You're the heroes. You might say, bud, but Jesus is the hero. Well, he's the ultimate hero, but he empowered you to be heroes. He, you see, he's not coming back down here right now to do what's got to be done. He's come down here inside of you, indwelling in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do through you. I'm going to love through you. I'm going to heal through you. I'm going to bless through you. You're the hero and think about the powers. The ability to hear what nobody else can hear. How many of you know, as a child of God, you have the ability to hear God speak that this natural world does not have? That's a superpower. You can see what this natural world cannot see. Because we, we walk by faith, not by sight. We see things from a spiritual perspective. We reach into the world of the unseen, and we see what's in the unseen, and we see the heart of God and what God wants to do in the unseen world, and we reach in and we pull it into this, this world through faith. That's a superpower. Now, what if chapter 12 begins with all the superheroes rose to the occasion. Your superpower may be to go into a children's classroom to commit to being a teacher in that children's classroom and holding that baby 
and declaring and praying over that baby every Sunday. God, this baby is going to be yours. This baby is going to be strong. This baby is going to be courageous in you. This baby is going to be whole in you. This baby will experience your healing in their life. This baby is going to be covered with your power. That, oh, that's a superhero thing. A legacy is not built with just events or just seasons. It's a lifetime of faithfulness and commitment. So here's, here are the chapters. What if the book were written and they, our children are reading this about us? I, this is what I want to hear them say. You with me? And I think you'll agree. Number one, first chapter, they loved recklessly. They loved recklessly. When they read the stories of Harvest Community Church, some of you would not be here had not some other people loved recklessly reached into your life when nobody else wanted you and nobody else cared, but they reached into your life and they said, come. And, and, and you said, but I don't want to go to church. I hate church. I've been to church. I know what it's like. And they said, but it's different in this house. Just try it one time. There are people all over this room right now who said, I will not go. I won't go. You have come and we can't get rid of you. Yes. They loved recklessly. Number chapter 2, they forgave quickly. Not going to be a church that holds grudges, but how do they read these chapters? Do they read these chapters because we just have good intentions? Do they read these chapters just because we want it to be that way or will they read them because we actually lived it? We will mess up. People will mess up and mess up royally and do some terrible things. But when that happens, we come and we say, I repent of that church. And what do we do? We turn around and embrace them and say, you're forgiven. We love you. You're forgiven. We will walk with you. It's okay. They gave generously. They gave generously. Wouldn't you like for our children to look back and say, they sacrificed some of their own comforts so that we could be here today. They did without some things that nobody in their generation did without, but they did without some of those things so that we could be here today. They're reading this 100 years, 200 years. Is anybody with me? They served faithfully. The next chapter. They served faithfully. They served faithfully. 
they serve faithfully. This is, see, our kids are reading, that not, not that we say we serve faithfully, but then they read the stories that there were, there were no teachers in this classroom uh, and, and, and leaders in that classroom. Yes, they signed up, but they never showed up. There's, if you sign up, you got to show up because signing up and not showing up puts a leader in a really bad situation. So to be able to say that they serve faithfully for them to read this chapter is more than us getting excited one Sunday and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll get involved and then we never see you again. You never answer a phone call. You never answer an email when the leaders try to email you to say, are you going to be here? Are you going to serve? And then they come in and nobody's here and they've got to try to figure out what in the world they're going to do. Serving faithfully means I will be available. I will be dependable. I will be responsible and I will be faithful to what God has called me to do. I knew there wouldn't be a shout on that one. They walked in faith relentlessly, meaning that whatever stood in front of us, we crashed through it. They stood courageously when opposition comes. We continue to move forward, not losing our focus. They learn the Word of God tenaciously, meaning we hunger for the Word because we know that the Word of God is the very life breath within us. They worshiped and praised passionately. This one, I hope nobody ever walks through this door. I hope nobody ever walks. i got to finish, so y'all just hold your horses a second. I hope nobody ever walks through this door that they leave here unsure of whether we love Jesus or not. I hope every time somebody sits in this room, they sit in this room realizing that these people, by the way they worship, by the way they praise, and by the way they love, these people love Jesus. It'll get on you. It'll jump on you. It will jump on you. That's the chapters of our book, and we're going to end the chapter with they love Jesus with all their heart. And they loved each other with the same kind of love that Jesus had. How many of you want that to be our legacy? Then we live it today. For that to be our legacy then, we live it today. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.